Well, hey, thanks for being here today. Uh, my name is Mike. This is your first time here. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor uh, here at MCC, and I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, a Savings Good Friday, and um, whatever else you may have been celebrating this weekend. Whatever else you're celebrating this weekend, that's great. Hey, and if you are joining us online, thank you for being there. I hope you've had a great weekend as well. And my hope is that if you live nearby, that maybe over this next season as we go into Christmas and celebrating the birth of Jesus, that you'll join us here. Uh, It's even, you know, Christmas Eve. I hope you'll join us for Christmas Eve uh, here at MCC. So last week, um, I began to talk about what is next for MCC as we go into 2019. And I want to make sure that we're all starting together. So I'm just, in case you missed last week, I want to remind all of us of a few things that I, that I talked about. Every year we ask God this question, uh, what do you want us to do next year as a church, as individuals? What do you want to point your people at next year? So last month, over 40 of our leaders got together and we began to look at five questions to help us to, de- to determine this. What does Jesus want for the people of Miamisburg or this area? How do we know? What does the Bible tell us? Uh, what's the biggest need in our area here in the city or in the valley? Who is God already using here to a to do those things, and what is it that we're already involved in that's already pointed at those needs? So what do you want us to do next year is the bottom line question. And last week, what I talked about was, it was all about what your next step is, what my next step is uh, in this individually. That includes decisions that we make, again, as individuals about our faith. And really, the bottom line question is, is next year, is our faith, is the next step for us, for you, for me, we each have to decide for ourselves, is it just about going to church or is it about following Jesus? Because it can be one or the other without being both. I just want to make sure we're clear on that, uh, just within, within ourselves. But there was this other thought that bubbled to the top. C.T. Studd uh, said this, and this is on your notes. The light that shines farthest shines brightest at home. And again, I spoke briefly about that last week. If you missed it, please go to our website and check that out. Uh, uh, but it's not, listen, it's not that we aren't doing that. But that quote, I just want to bring you back to there's a th- that quote along with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 when he tells us, he told his followers then, tells us today, you are the light of the world. And when we, we begin to put together something that James, and we put together with that what James says at the end of the New Testament, resist the devil and he will flee Uh, from you. And knowing, listen, here's the thing, and I don't know if you've noticed this or if you've sensed this or it seems like this to you, that darkness seems to have settled in around us through homelessness and hunger and addiction and hopelessness. And again, it's, please hear, it's not that we've been passive on any of that, but I just sense this urging from God this year that we need to be more aggressive in dispelling the darkness where the kingdom of God is at work, where the kingdom of light shines brightest. The darkness should be on the run from us. On your notes, look at this quote as well, C.T. Studd. Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. 
So these questions, that's what this is about. These questions were birthed to ask God specifically how he wants to use us to dispel the darkness closest to MCC. So again, if you missed last week, I'm going to encourage you to go back to our website and to listen to that. But to get everyone on the same page, those first two questions, what's Jesus want and how do we know? There's something that Jesus wants. The Bible tells us what that is. Just as it guides us in our daily lives, if we will read it and do what it says, God will use his word to direct our lives on a day-to-day basis because he walks with us every day. He will guide us as a church in what he wants us doing. We believe the Bible will point us in the direction he wants us to go. The third question, what's the biggest need in our area? And how does what Jesus wants, how does what the Bible tells, how does that line up with what we know our folks need here at home? So our leaders began to answer that. And I mentioned last week, in case you missed it, there we've begun to meet with leaders here in our city. There were three of us, a couple of our ministry leaders, myself, went and met with other leaders in our community who have coincidentally begun asking the same question. And so we came together to see if, as a community, can we point all of us at this thing. But we also wanted to remember that God's already at work here, and we've been part of that answer. That's what these last two questions were all about. Who else is God already using here, and what do we already do? But the bottom line for us, all of those were to ask this question, what do you want from us next? That's what we asked him. So last week, you and me individually. Today, it's about us as a church and how, how we answer that as a church affects the community, what's going to happen in our community. So uh, if you don't know this, out in the lobby, we've got 2019 ministry plan books. If you want to pick one of those up, also available on our website. want to encourage you to go there as well. Uh, last week, we started a story that Jesus tells that you may be familiar with. It helps us take a look at this. Luke chapter 10 is where we are in your Bible. So if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 10. Uh, if you're on the U version on your phone, our notes, our scripture, all of that is there. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to go there. If you haven't downloaded that onto your phone yet, if you, I think that's a great idea. I hope that you will. That way your Bible is always with you. But Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, Jesus, uh, we're just going to look at the beginning again. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He asked him, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded to him, well, what's written in the law? How do you read that? And so the lawyer answered, Jesus, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, Luke tells us that this is a religious expert. He's an expert in the law. He wants to test Jesus. So that while this is a legitimate question, It doesn't come from an authentic heart, and Jesus knew that. So he turns the question back uh, on top of this guy. And last week, uh, we just caught this background. I want to make sure we all have this this week as well. Strict Orthodox Jews wore these little leather boxes, uh, some on their wrist, some on their forehead, some on both, and they inside these boxes were scriptures. Uh, They were put there to remind them that the Word of God was to be in their mind. Uh, They wore them to remind them that they were always to be before them. One of the scriptures contained in the box for sure was Deuteronomy 6.4, which says, You shall love the Lord your God. The scribes would later add Leviticus 19.18, which tells us that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So we know this leader is not making, he's not grasping this out of the air. We know where he gets his answers. 
which I think is part of why Jesus responds in verse 28, you've answered correctly. And I don't know if this was supposed to be part of the test originally or if maybe now this question is asked in his own mind. And so he genuinely wants to know. But in verse 29, he asks Jesus, but who is my neighbor? And maybe you've wondered that as as well. Uh, This question seems obviously bigger today with the Internet giving us instant access, not just in our city or in our state, but across the country and around the world. We get to see people's lives in real time as problems or tragedies or good things. Regardless of what's occurring, we get to see it. And so it just strikes me as interesting that a first century lawyer can ask a pretty good 21st century um, question. So Jesus says, in response to his question about who is my neighbor, there's this guy going down from Jerusalem to Jericho who was attacked by robbers. And they strip him of his clothes, and they beat him, and then they went away, and they left him half dead. So in this story that Jesus uses, there's this road. It's a real road that goes from a real city of Jerusalem to the real city of Jericho, and it's a fairly dangerous road. It it later is called the bloody way. The man is stripped, he's beaten, he's left for half dead, and Jesus' audience knows that this actually happens in real life. So he's not making this fantasy. It's not once upon a time. This is something that happens uh, in his day. Thankfully, in the very next verse, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And again, so if this guy has any consciousness at all, now I'm safe. This is a man of God, not just a man of God. This is the guy who offers sacrifices on behalf of the Israelites. This is the guy who goes further into the temple than just regular people are allowed to go. If anyone, if anyone is going to reflect the character of God, it's going to be the priest. But when he saw the man lying, stripped, beaten, and half dead, he passed by on the other side. Jesus is making a strong statement. He went out of his way to avoid doing the right thing. He went out of his way so he could do nothing. And I just thought to myself as I go over this story, wouldn't it be horrible if people today had that opinion of the church in general, of our church specifically? that we would go out of the way to be of no value to the people around us who are in in need. If we went out of our way to do nothing to help people, because it sure doesn't sound much like Jesus to me. Verse 32, then a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, and the guy, again, if he's, at least Jesus moves down, at least here's another really good guy. Jesus, what we don't maybe catch today is that Jesus has moved down the religious hierarchy uh, a level to a Levite, regarded as holy men uh, in Jewish society, just not as holy as the priest. And so when he goes to the victim, he, he walks in to get a better look, but once his curiosity is satisfied, he also crosses the road and goes on his way. And by the way, that's where we stopped Last week, if you weren't here, we stopped right there uh, to talk about what's next for you and me as individuals and following Jesus. And so I'll say it one more time. I promise the last time I'll say it. But if you weren't here last week, please, 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 can I encourage you? (laughs) Go to the website and check out the first half. It's very important that you get both parts of what we're talking about for next year. Let's continue this story because Jesus, uh, at this point, most people would have assumed because he's just jumped down a level in the hierarchy of the church, now he's going to say a very pious Jewish person uh, comes along and and helps. 
But with what he says next in this story, the whole crowd would have been silenced. I mean, they wouldn't even, you could have heard them breathing. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. The reason that's so shocking, maybe not to us, but it was to them, was because they were enemies. <laughs> it wasn't they just disliked each other. They hated each other. And they would have imagined, the crowd would have imagined that if Jesus was including a Samaritan in the story, what the Samaritan is going to do is he's going to finish the guy off. He's not going to leave him half dead. He's going to leave him all dead uh, when he's done. But in verse 34, look at what Jesus says. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And then the very next day, he takes out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. And when Jesus got done telling that, he looked at this guy and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And I think it hurt this guy to say this out loud. Because he, <laughs> he won't even use the word Samaritan. The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So if we, as we have prayed about what is next for us as a congregation and what is next uh, because of us for our community, there's some things that this Samaritan did that if we are going to be the kind of people that shines brightest at home, we don't want to just shine farthest, we want to shine brightest at home. There's some things that we have to do. They're on your notes. If you're taking the notes, also at the U version. but check this out. Uh, the first thing he did, if we're going to shine brightest at home, we have to see persons, not problems. By the way, that's said very intentionally. So we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. But Martin Luther King Jr. made this observation. He said the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan all saw this guy, but they asked different questions. The priest and the Levite asked this question. If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? And listen, I, I get that question. <laughs> I've asked that question at times. If I stop here and help, if, if MC, if MCC helps out, if, if, if we as a church get involved, what is this going to mean to us as a church? What is this going to mean to me as the lead pastor? I mean, because maybe, maybe it's going to throw off my agenda. It might cost me something. If we get involved in this issue in our city, this could actually put me at risk. I could get beat up because of this. But the Good Samaritan, look at the rest of what Dr. King said, but the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? And listen, when we ask that question, our eyes have to be open. And we're not looking at people. We're not looking at problems. We're not even looking at groups. <laughs> we're looking at individuals. Our verses say the Samaritan took pity when he sees this guy. The original Greek is actually stronger. It says his guts rose up within him. It was a strong. He had to stop. And help. Dwight Morrow talks about a time he invited Calvin Coolidge before he became president. He was going to become president. He invited him to a dinner party at his house. And after Coolidge had left, Morrow's talking to the guests, telling him he thought Coolidge would make a really good president in the United States. The others disagreed. They said that he was kind of quiet. He really lacked personality, not much charisma. But that his six-year-old daughter, Anne, spoke up at that point. She held up a bandaged finger, and she said, I really liked him. He was the only person at the party who asked about my sore finger. Uh, how do you do with that? How do, you, how do you do with that when someone has a sore finger? 
or, or worse. Because <laughs> i got to tell you, sometimes I don't see it. Or worse, there are times I am a self-absorbed jerk. And I see it, but I care more about me than I do about them. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, when he opened his eyes and he saw a person who was in need. Man, I'm so impressed when people do that. And, and please, listen, as a church, this is what I was talking about last week with helping hands and threads and the kitchen team and Phil of Grace Farm and Bog and OCC and Angel Tree and collecting school supplies. But we're, listen, as true of us as individuals, if you open up your eyes, you will see individuals, persons, who have needs around you that you can meet. And we need to understand that the only way the church together does this best is if we as individuals each have our eyes open. We can only do it collectively the best if each of us individually do it as well. And again, listen, as a church, please don't hear me say we're not doing this because we do. We're actually pretty good about meeting needs we're made aware of. So, of course, we're going to continue to help over 300 families a month through Helping Hands. Of course, we're going to help over 300 families a month through Threads. But in the midst of this, in the midst of as we do those things, here's what we're talking about. And we don't know how we're going to do this yet, honestly. But if even one family at the end of 2019, and this may sound way too low of a bar to set for some of you, but if in the midst of 2019 as we do all of those things, if even one family who doesn't know where they're going to sleep next week and they've moved from place to place to place because they don't know where they'll stay, or where exactly or when exactly their next meal is going to be. If even one family next year has the trajectory of their life changed, and now they have a place to stay, and now they have a job they can go to, and they know exactly where their next meal is going to be coming from and when they'll eat it and how they'll provide it for their family. If we can change the trajectory, and their life is changed because the kingdom of God will not allow the darkness to succeed where we are. That's what we're going to do in 2019. We want to focus our energies. Here's the next one. For MCC to shine brightest at home, I'm going to get my hands dirty. It's not might. It's not could. If we're not careful, we will get our hands dirty. This guy was naked. He was bleeding. He was half dead. The Samaritan bandaged his He touched him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil. And listen, that's the equivalent of a first century first aid kit. There's a Sunday school teacher telling her class the story of the Good Samaritan. She described it in vivid detail because she wanted her students to kind of catch the drama of the whole thing. And then she asked, if you saw a person lying on the roadside, you know, all wounded and bleeding, what do you think you would do? And one little girl raised her hand and said, I think I would throw up. Uh, listen, Chuck Colson in his book, The Body, tells about a group who wanted to open a shelter for the homeless. And so they bought a vacant uh, house next to a church and asked if they could use their parking lot uh, to help. The church reluctantly agreed until one night when one of the church leaders saw a homeless guy urinating in their parking lot. And then they decided they could no longer help the shelter. I don't know how you respond to that kind of a story. 
but I don't think I'd want to be part of a church like that. And I kind of hope you don't either. Although, honestly, it may be easier said to a story than the reality. I don't know if you know this or not, but Rich McKinley, who is our executive pastor, he volunteers with our police department as chaplain. What that means, if you don't know, is he's the one who gets called sometimes in the middle of the night. He's always called to the fatalities. He gets called out on other things, but always on the fatalities. And I don't know that that can't be messy. It has to be messy, physically, emotionally, for the sake of those who are involved, who have lost a family member. It is going to be a hard night. And yet he willingly wades in to help these families. And if we are going to be involved, we are going to get our hands messy because we live in a broken world and people have needs and issues. And if we wait until they get themselves cleaned up to step in and help them, we have missed our opportunity. So this next one's really important. For MCC to shine brightest at home, it's going to cost me. Listen, need to understand that. Listen, I used to judge these religious guys. Now I know how easy it is to be these religious guys. It wasn't, listen, it's not this, the religious leader's fault that this guy's been attacked. And this road is, you know what, this road is so busy. I bet someone else is going to come along. I'll bet they'll help this guy. And maybe, maybe he'd been serving all week and he was anxious to get home. Maybe he had important meetings to get to. Maybe they didn't have time. Does that ever happen to you? You see someone who's in need and you think to yourself, if I just had the time, I sure would stop and help those guys. How often is it convenient to help someone? My guess is probably not very often is it convenient. And I doubt he woke up that morning and said, honey, listen, I'm on my way into the city. I've got to close up a business deal. I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. But if you would, pray for me. That along the way, I would find a naked, beat-up, half-dead guy along the road. My guess is he didn't ask his wife to pray that. Ah. Uh, I'm pretty sure on the back of his donkey wasn't a bumper sticker that said half-dead people lying on the side of the road ministry, please support us. You know, I'm, I'm doubting that. My guess is he's like you and me. He's on his way in life doing what he did. And then there was this issue, and it was inconvenient. And it does, it's not that we're hard-hearted. It's not that we don't care. We're just busy, Right? I mean, you're busy, I'm busy, we're busy. We have schedules, we have plans, we have agendas, and so did this Samaritan. And in verse 35, it says he took out two silver coins, denarii, each worth a day's wages. So listen, just, I don't know if you can even figure this out real quick in your head. Regardless of what you make, take one week of it, take two-sevenths of that, whatever that is. That's what he, he gave that amount to help a guy he didn't even know, maybe had never met before in his life. He gave that to help him. Bernard Edinger said this, it's on your notes, the world will never be one to Christ with what people can conveniently spare. He's pretty much echoing Proverbs 11. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed because God promises to bless us when we're generous. So I want you to write these words down. They're not on your notes, but I need you to write them down. Time, money, abilities. Hey, everybody, everybody needs to write these words down. Write them on your hand, write them on your neighbor's forehead, wherever you're going to see them uh, conveniently. 
because that's what it's going to cost us if we're going to do more than sit and light up and glow like a light bulb, which is good. I mean, we want to light the city up. But if we're going to do more than that, and listen, we've been, again, we've been meeting with leaders in our community so we can partner with what God has already put in place. We don't have to invent new stuff. We don't have to always try to come up with new things. We can partner with what God's already doing around us. But to be clear, you and I have to determine that we are going to give our best. So I just, I'm going to give you a fair warning. I'm about to be a little pushy. There will be people who are here today who are going to think that guy up there is pretty rude. But for God to do this through all of us will include him doing it through you. If he's going to do it through all of us, he's going to want to do it through you. So if you are not in the game financially, it's time. God calls us to tithe because it's the muscle of the mission. When you support the God's kingdom through the church, you are a part of. So listen, hey, if you're a guest here this morning, if you're visiting from out of town, if you go to another church in another place and you just happen to be here with somebody else because you're visiting, here's what I'm saying. Do not tithe to us. We're not your church. You tithe to the church you go to. But if MCC is your home church, when the Bible talks about tithing, it's talking about the local church. And I know, I know, buzzers are going off, flags are being raised, penalty lights are flying everywhere. Because that's a lot. Of course it is. It's the kingdom of God. Does it deserve less than a lot. God calls us to use our abilities because we are the heart of the mission. And I know your hands will get dirty. And I know your hearts will be broken. And I know that we will be disappointed by some of the results and decisions that people make at times. But does God's work deserve less than our best and our all? And God calls us to use our time because that's the fuel of the mission. And I know you're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy. I'm calling you to prioritize your time and to point it at something that will last forever. Please hear this. I'm not asking you to forfeit your family. I'm not asking you to quit your job. I'm not asking you to not rest. I'm not asking you to drop your hobbies. But I'm calling you to prioritize God above all of those things and make the adjustments that need to be made. Listen, it doesn't cost something to follow Jesus. It costs everything to follow Jesus. He said, if you want to follow me, you deny yourself every day and take up your cross. In his day, you didn't wear it around your neck. Do you know what they did with crosses in Jesus' day? They nailed people to them until they died. Jesus said, you give everything if you want to follow me. C.T. Studd, he wrote a poem. And I, listen, we need more studs in the church. There's no doubt about that. His poem's called Only One Life Twill Soon Be Passed. Just a few lines of it. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
One more thing I want to make sure that you get. If we are going to shine brightest at home, just like this Samaritan, I have to get off my donkey. Uh, I know some of you are a little worried. I know some of you are a little disappointed. Uh, <laughs> today, today, today is a call to action. John, at the end of the New Testament, would write this. Children, you show love for others by truly helping them and not by merely talking about it. It does no good for us to sit in this room and talk about it. We have to get out of this room and do something about it. Look at Cal Thomas, what he said at the bottom of your notes. Love talked about is easily ignored, but love demonstrated is irresistible. I don't know if you remember Dan Rather or not. We were talking up in the booth before this morning because I was talking about this story, and one of them said, does everyone know who Dan Rather is? Uh, I don't know if you know who Dan Rather is. He used to be a national news guy. Uh, he told us what was going on in the world. Uh, he was telling about being in an elevator uh, in a large Florida hotel. He said, I'd just flown in in the middle of the night. I was about to speak to thousands of people. It was early in the morning. I'm not in a good mood. And I, every eye in the elevator seems to be on me. And I'm thinking to myself, didn't any of these guys have a mother tell them that it's not polite to stare and he said, soon the elevator reaches the lobby, and as it enter, or as it, as, as it empties, a woman gently takes hold of my sleeve, and, she, and very quietly she says, Mr. Rather, I don't mean to intrude. And he said, I'm thinking to myself when she said that, then why are you, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? And she looks around to make sure that no one else is around or listening. She says, I don't want this to be embarrassing, but your fly is unzipped, and a piece of your shirt tail is sticking through it. And then she smiled and walked away. Now, which of these on the elevator was a neighbor to Dan Rather? Just a couple of days ago, my cousin's husband shared something that he read this week. He gets this email from his workplace that it's all about leadership, rarely about business, always about character, always about integrity. Uh, it's always about the type of person that you are. And so the email from his workplace said this, moments of need are waiting in the future to test you, to reveal you, to reward you, or to punish you. And in the moment you need strength, it's too late to build it. And in the moment you need courage, it's too late to form it. And in the moment you need trust, it's too late to earn it. Only what you plan and work for in time of convenience will be ready in time of need. So I'm telling you today, because we need to put our time and our money and our abilities in play today, this morning. Right now, we have to decide that we will use all of them, that we will give beyond what we even think is possible because it just seems so difficult to do that. But we will put that in play so that they're there when we need them because we've asked God that in 2019, how do you want to use us in a way that we can't even figure out yet? We don't know what it looks like yet, but we trust because we think that's your heartbeat. We trust that you will use us to accomplish your mission. And we have to prepare today. We need to start doing it today so it's ready when God calls us into action. So we're about to sing to prepare to remember what it costs Jesus to save us. And I'm hoping you'll also use this time to determine what you will give to help others of your time, of your money, of your abilities 
Because it doesn't cost something to follow Jesus. It costs us everything. And if you've never given your life to him, if that's your next step, if that's what you need to give him next, because he doesn't just want your time, money, and abilities. He wants you. If you've never given your life to him, never made the decision to make him the Lord of your life, if you've never made the promise in the waters of baptism, I'm going to help you with that. So during the song, I'll be right there. After service, I'll be right there. Would love to talk to you today about make that happen today. We can step a time to talk about making that happen this week. I would, if that's your next step, please don't get out of here without talking to him today. Listen, we're going to sing. Why don't we stand as we sing these words, the determination that we will make recognizing the cost of our salvation. What will we do to help bring others to Jesus? Because we can't save them, but we can get them to Jesus, and Jesus can.